This week for UFC Austin, we're coming off an incredible UFC 275, one of the all-time best light heavyweights, you know, light heavyweight fights. You know, Jerry ends up pulling out the submission in round five. You had Wei Li retiring Joanna. A couple other nasty knockouts, Savannah Gomez, mm-hmm. uh, Jake Matthews, and you called it Mahachete, round one knockout over, over Steve Garcia. And I think yet again, we see how much better the crowds make these fights. And you know, luckily, even though we got a fight night, man, we're heading to Austin. We got a live crowd this week and a phenomenal slate of fights. Uh, Calvin Cater take, taking on Josh Emmett in the main the main event, and then veterans rescheduling in the co-main event. There we got Cowboy Cerrone taking on Joe Lozon, and you know, talking about a good fight card, man. Looking through the list, we got Adrian Yanez, Buckley, Kevin Holland. You know, the fight between Demiris Magulov and mm-hmm. Kutat Taladze. Really happy about this fight card. Really happy to find some spots we both like. Last week, you know, neither of us finished in the green like we really wanted to. Um, our night was left up to the com- or left up to the main event. Mm-hmm. Like most people, you and I did get burned a little bit there, but we still got a ton of weeks left of some fights, man, and plenty of time to make it back. Yeah, I mean, looking over your card, uh, you did have a couple of good spots. The one I want to point out, the Jake Matthews hit um, at plus one forty-two. Yeah, dang, he, he looked <laughs> he looked amazing. Um, Definitely a solid play from you. Then your biggest play of the night was Brendan Allen over Jacob Malcoon. You had two and a half units on him. Uh, sure, that was a little bit closer yeah. than you'd like, but you know your best bet hit. And um, then the uh, the tally of Santos. You had a little little stab, point two five units at plus four eighty, good price tag. And uh, yeah, maybe you so deserve that. Um, but yeah, just didn't get the swings going your way that night. Uh, minus 4.41 units on the night, and uh, we'll come back next week. Um, looking over at my card, my Weili Zhang bet was probably the favorite one that I had, um, but the rest of the card, not so much. Uh, I think we both fell into the trap of trying to bet the under four and a half or any of the unders yeah. in that main event, and it did not work out for us. Plenty of opportunities for the finish. Plenty of opportunities. It just it was that um, you know that five percent chance that it goes to that far and uh, it hit. Um, and then the uh, Amiv wins by decision only. That saved me a unit there. I knew that was his only win condition, and he ended up getting knocked out. I'm happy that that just nulled out. I still ended up minus three and a half units, so uh, not a good night for either one of us, but definitely something we can come back from. Two featherweights are in our main event with Calvin Cater versus Josh Emmett, and you know finally these guys are getting matched up. Um, for them both to be floating around in the top of the division for so long, I thought that we would have already seen this, um, but I definitely think it has all the makings for a potential fight of the year contender. Um, both guys known for their stand-up, Cater with more of that boxing style approach, good volume, quick to establish that jab, where Emmett is much more reliant on finding that one big power shot to knock out his opponents. Uh, Cater sitting at a minus 250 right now does give me a little bit of concern. Um, I know he's got an excellent chin, but you know why we know that is because <laughs> it constantly gets tested. Um, he gets hit a lot, and he's facing a guy with the biggest power in the division. Like, literally knocks people stiff. Um, so if, if you know that he's hittable, his best win condition is on the feet, and you know he's going up against one of the hardest hitters in the division, I don't think that there's a, a plus EV edge at 71% implied odds long term. Um, I doubt the wrestling comes into play. Both guys have solid wrestling skills in their back pocket, but I'd be bet the first. I'd be willing to bet the first guy to shoot is losing the stand-up battle, and uh, it's probably a good live odds mm-hmm. uh, or a live bet sign. 
Where the current odds sit, uh, it, I don't like it, but I will ultimately pick Cater. I think his volume, length, and durability will all um, come into play. But for a fight where both guys are guaranteed to throw down and uh, both possessing the power that they do, I'm kind of surprised to see the fight doesn't go the distance at plus money. Emmett hasn't been in a five-round fight since he was in his 20s, and I question his durability every time I read the injury reports after his <laughs> fights. Uh, just some food for thought, but I, I might look to move in on a play on that under later on in the week. Is it set at four and a half? Uh, it is. You love those four and a half. Yeah, man, I, I think, like you said, potential fight of the year on our hands. If anybody has a type of wrestling upside, I don't think it's necessarily going to be used, but probably Josh Emmett out of Team Alpha Male. You've got to think he's you know probably putting in more work there on the mat. Um, but again, I think the fight plays out on the feet for a majority of it. And I tend to favor that guy who has the size and the reach advantage as well, like Cater does. But the technicality of the boxing, a lot of it you said as well, the volume, the jab, the footwork, I do favor Cater a whole lot. And now you talk about a guy who's eclipsed 100 strikes in his last couple fights, where Josh Emmett, on the other hand, is a much more low-volume type of guy. You said looking for the home run shot. Um, he's almost found it, though, in a lot of his fights. In his last seven fights, he's... Got a knockdown in every single one of those mm -hmm. 11 knockdowns total in his last seven fights. So it does make you a little bit weary. You know, the Cater's going to be playing with fire for 25 minutes on the feet. But I do come out on the same side as here, man. You know, in minute 37, you talk about the knee injuries and things that he, you know, he had in that Burgos fight. I think he's at a speed disadvantage, a technicality disadvantage where this fight primarily will take place. Hasn't been in the championship rounds like you talked about in a while where, you know, Cater's heart's been on display in the last couple fights in championship rounds. So I do hate betting against someone who has that amount of, you know, fight and dog in them that Josh Emmett has that he showed, you know, he displayed in the Burgos fight. But to me, the pick is Calvin Cater. I think he could find the kill switch on the feet, to be honest with you, against Josh Emmett. We've seen Jeremy Stevens put him away. Cater can step in, land with those nice elbows, maybe drain him in the championship round. So I necessarily, I don't hate the under four and a half here. Josh Emmett, all the finishing upside in the world, but going to be catered by decision, I think, here. We broke down this fight a few weeks ago for UFC 274. You know, I believe both fighters may wait. You know, we had the rumor of Cerrone with food poisoning things, but... I know you and I talked about, man, that, that guy was overly emotional all week in his interviews. And, uh, you know, he talked about his nerves for making the walk in the past. That maybe maybe bitched out a little bit, you know? I don't know. I'd just given him a hard time, to be honest with you. The guy that this guy's made walks against, there's no way he's going to fight Joe Lowe's on here on Saturday. Um, but I, I think the nerves a little bit because I'm, I'm definitely getting retirement vibes from these last couple surrounding fights, you know, giving you Anthony Pettis. They tried to give you Diego Sanchez, giving you Alex Morono. Now Joe Lowe's on. It seems like they're trying to set that one up for Stroney to kind of ride off in the sunset a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, both guys are black belts on the mat, so I definitely, I don't think one's going to have an overwhelming success if the fight hits there. Um, but I think the the biggest indicator here is how much better Stroney is in the kickboxing and on the feet. He's probably worked the body like Rude Smocker did a little bit. Best advice for Joe Lozon, you, you know, Closing almost three years out of the octagon. Um, jump on Cerrone early. That's how you get Cerrone out of there, usually in the first round. But in terms of how they match up, even at this point in their career, man, I don't know there's a time that Cerrone loses this fight. So I don't really want to lay minus 175 on Cerrone, who's looked awful lately. Cerrone's going to be the pick, though. So, you know, certainly not the, the fight I would have chosen to be the co-main event, but, yeah. you know, a couple of legends here, and uh, I know, like you said, we recently broke this fight down, and I, I had the same feelings as last time, and maybe even more so after those shenanigans that Cerrone <laughs> pulled. 
Um, I think Cerrone would win if this was a technical kickboxing match. Each guy got to bounce around and take a shot or take turns throwing shots, but uh, it's not going to be. And I, I think we know what to expect out of Lozano at this point in his career with three of his last four wins out of the first or in the first round. Um, he's going to give you five minutes of hell, and if you can survive that, fight's yours. Cerrone, notorious for being a slow starter, seemingly gone a little softer these days. You know, three times as tough as us, but, uh, you know, softer from that adrenaline junkie, I don't care type of Cerrone right. that we've known. Um, like you said, much more open with his mental struggles uh, pre-fight, not wanting to go out there to throw one up. And it's kind of become his identity to show um, that even though he's had this many fights, he still he still deals with this and that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like hearing it from a fan's perspective, but as a betting perspective, like, that's a complete red flag. So... Um, you know, I don't really see that dog in Cerrone like we used to, and it, it seems like he has to get hit to, a few times for him to, to bring it out in the fight. And Lozon's not going to give him that opportunity to wake up. Um, he's throwing him into the fire as soon as that bell rings, and it's a coin toss on who's going to come out on the other side. Plus 700, Joe Lozon, uh, round one. Yeah. I think that that's an absolute play that you, you have to hit here. My fight of the night takes place in the welterweight division between Kevin Holland and Tim Dirty Bird Means. I actually thought Tim Means would be a decent dog at the beginning of the week, but the more I looked into this fight, it just seems like a nightmare matchup for him, man. Uh, Means, he isn't getting any younger, and uh, his game isn't really developing enough at this stage for him to make up for this huge step in competition that he's taking here, um, or step up in competition that he's taking here. His last three wins over Stark Foley, Mike Perry, and Dowdy look decent on paper, but I don't think any of those guys are in the UFC anymore. Uh, the last time he's fought anybody with even similar skills to Holland was uh, D-Rod or Nico Price, and he got finished in both those fights. I see defensive holes in mean striking game, and you know Holland being under 30 years old still, I think that he's going to be able to exploit him, and he has enough experience that I don't even think that Means being the, the veteran here mm-hmm. comes into play at all. Um, Holland has ten fights at welter in the welterweight division, and nine of nine of them were being or were wins. All of them coming inside the distance. I think his frame and power at 170 pounds. This is his true weight class, and he's mm-hmm. going to flourish here in the UFC. If it, uh, you know, it wasn't even until he he was fighting the top five middleweights that he started having trouble with the grappling. So I don't think it's going to be a problem yeah. here. Um, now all of his opponents are just as skinny as he is or significantly shorter. Um, here, I think Holland's just bigger, faster, younger, and we're going to see him roll on Saturday. I'm going to come out on the same side of you, man. I remember uh, a couple weeks back seeing Tim Means tweeting about this contract he signed for a fight, and he says, this one's going to be fan-friendly, and dude, mm-hmm. you're going to have to agree. This, yeah. one, this one's going to be fun, man. Holland's the second time back at 170 after going on that tear at 185 last year. Um and again, to me, probably happy that he's got someone, you know, a little bit smaller and not going to be going out there shooting 100 takedowns on him the way Brunson and Vittori were. Um, in terms of the wrestling, though, you know, I'm not even going to go out and say that Kevin Holland is outmatched on the mat against Tim Means. I 100% think he's a better black belt, has the jiu-jitsu and submission edge. And, you know, I've seen him scramble with some good guys, man. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think he can hang with Means 100% on the, on the mat and... People saying Means has this massing wrestling upside. I'm just going to have to disagree, to be honest with you. Um, he has looked decent lately. You know, he's been on a good uh, little tear, one four of his last five. I know a lot of the opponents lately really haven't hold that much weight. But he pretty much does the same thing to you, man. Puts that grindy pace on you, the veteran pace. So clinch you up, make you hold his weight on the cage, dig to the body. 
Um, I know he's been spending a lot of time, you know, as a wrestling coach, I believe, for a high school. So looks like he's trying to add some, you know, some other wrinkles to his game late. Again, I'm going to side with Kevin Holland. My only hesitancy is the fights where Kevin's a favorite, man. There's just plenty of moments where he doesn't really look like the favorite. He lets his ego get the best of him. You know, with Buckley, I know he finishes, but, like, who hangs out in the pocket just, you know, dodging shots and letting him glance off his hands? I mean, that was just sketch from, from start to finish. You have a split decision win over Darren Stewart as a massive favorite. You lost to Brunson, a no contest with Chris Dalkus as like a minus 200. Kyle Dalkus as like a minus 200. And then even Cowboy Oliveira, you know, you end up with your thumbs up with, in a rear naked choke at the end of round one. So there's just always sketchy moments for Kevin Holland. That's my only... My only worry, backing him at like minus 240. Um, but yeah, I won't be shocked if he goes out here and, and puts 10 means away. I think he's a better fighter. Mm-hmm. For my fight of the night to talk about, I'm going to go with Demir Ismagulov. Take on Guram Kutataladze. Uh, not your common household names, you know, in MMA. But and if you're if you're a fan of the sport, you know this is going to be a very good fight between two very good prospects. With Guram, though, a lot of love for a guy who's only got one fight in the UFC. You know, he, he does have the debut upset over Mateus Gamrot, um, but it was Mateus's debut as well. I don't think it's the Mateus that we're seeing on the tear right now. Um, but looking back, it is a damn good uh, win regardless of how you really score that fight. Kutataladze switches levels with his kicks beautifully, loves to throw him to the body. And I thought his takedown defense looked very good, man. And, and when he did hit his back, immediately was scrambling, was very hard to control. Um, and if Gamrot did control him, you know, he, he wasted a lot of energy. He had to put a bunch of chain wrestling techniques together to finally get the takedown. So he makes you work if you're going to get it. You know, he's trained with Comsat for a long time. Um, even, I think, to the Poria brothers and things are on his Instagram a little bit during this layoff. But two years dealing with some injuries, um, you know, visa issues. Jumping back into it, you know, Demir is a very, very tough opponent to come back to. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to hear it a ton this week for this guy. He is a, like a real slept-on contender for the vision, but, um, you know, almost like Colby Covington coming up through the ranks when you have lack of finishes. Um, they just don't propel you up the division as much, but when you really look at who this guy has fought, man, he's been tested against some other prospects that the UFC are very high on, like Joel Alvarez, Tiago Moises, and Rafael Alves, and who is an absolute handful in round one for anybody that he's going to fight. Demir, man, super surgical on the feet, very patient, good counter striker, um, and he, he hardly ever gets hit. Uh, you did see him get hurt a little bit in the Alves fight, even get put in Alves's patent guillotine early, man, but he stayed calm, worked his way out of it, you know, composed himself, went uh, wound up on top. The guy sets everything up behind this beautiful jab, um, and I think... If there is somebody who has a grappling upside here, it, it's going to be 100% Isma Gulab, and I think he's got a much better controlling style than Gamrot had um, on the mat, for what it's worth in scoring the past couple weeks, um, especially in Texas with these kind of judges we've seen in Texas. But grappling upside definitely goes to Isma Gulab for me, man. He's been training out of Tiger Muay Thai and American Top Team, which is a much better uh, training camp this time than he had last time, you know, in the middle of COVID and things like that. So. If it's on the feet, man, he's too fast, too sharp, too technical, and I'm big on Demir here. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be, uh, like you said, it's kind of like the hardcore MMA fans fight of the right. fight of the night for sure. Um, I, I think that it's going to be extremely close. I, I mean, Kutatulatse, regardless of how you saw that fight, he, he's going to a split decision with a guy who's headlining a card against Armin Saryuki in a few weeks, right. you know? It's... Uh, 
I don't even think that it's a step up. I think we're just going to see a very similar fight play out where it's going to be extremely close. Demir, like you said, does have those advantages and the much more controlling style is going to play a factor. Um, with him having two years off, I know he's still only 30 years old, but that's, uh, that's a tough fight to come back to. So I, I like Demir as well and good luck to your bet. My fighter to watch is going to be Jeremiah Wells. Um, I wanted to highlight him because I think it's his chance to kind of make up for that goof in his last <laughs> fight. Uh, if you haven't seen it, he starts the fight trying to run around the uh, octagon and he trips over the fence. And even though he went on to win that fight, you know, I see it pop on my pop up on my timeline All like time. every month since it's happened. Um, just a real goof, but I, I do think that he is a legitimate prospect in the yeah. welterweight division. Um, I think he move, as he moves up the ranks, his size will give him problems at only five foot nine. But as long as the UFC continues to give him this level of competition, I think he's going to be able to produce some pretty good highlights. Um, I think that this is an easier fight than his debut against Warley Alves, and uh, his his wrestling background, his stature, it's, those are both going to make it difficult for Court McGee to get the best part of his game going, which is also the wrestling. Yep. Um, I don't think that Court wants anything on the feet uh, with Wells either, so I actually love seeing the, this uh, McGee line continue to get bet down. We're now seeing dog odds at Wells, and uh, it's definitely tempting me for sure. Not necessarily a, um, a quality level of fight that I'm going to be putting a, a ton of investment in, but I do think that Wells is a, a extremely live dog at this point in the week. 100%, man. Coming out on the same side of you, I, I really honestly... Never got the love for Court McGee. You know, he's he's a well-rounded fighter, but what does a guy do over the top well? He doesn't really finish people, so... He's a grinder. He's a grinder, you yeah. know, but he's old, and he trains with a 17-year-old son, and facing a guy in Jeremiah Wells, who's out of, you know, Renzo Gracie in Philly, who's undefeated in the UFC. I know everybody tried to take Maxim off, but myself included, minus 300, something like that, and Petrovsky submits his ass in round one. That gym is just on a tear right now, man. There are some guys there that are really feeling themselves on some win streaks, and I'm, I'm not going to be quick to fade Jeremiah Wells at all. Uh, fighter to watch for me, got to be Adrian Yanez. You know, um, I don't really have any interest in betting Yanez or parlaying him, um, but he is one of the UFC's more famous little prospects they have, and he's going to have a ton of eyes on him Saturday. He's also fighting in Texas, which is his home state. Uh, I want to bring that up because two that come to mind, Derek Lewis, Alexander Hernandez, they have seen some home cooking on the scorecards, you know. Um, and massive favorite, 300, minus 365, minus 400 to a guy as durable as Tony Kelly. I think it's going to be a little hard for Adrian to really cover that price tag. It reminds me a bit of the David Grant fight. You know, Kelly is going to, like I said, a durable guy, someone who's going to be hard to finish, a fight that's probably going to hit like an over 1.5 rounds and a really good chance of seeing the judges. Just not trying to lay that kind of chalk on Adrian at this point, man. But, you know, he's fun as hell to watch. His boxing is super sharp, clearly the better striker between the two. Um, but, man, the forward pressure of Kelly, you saw it. I, I'm not going to say Randy Costa's gas tank is really anything worth noting, but it absolutely exa exhausted him, man. He put him on his back foot, chased him all around the cage, and when you're having to move like that, it, it really takes away from your ability to land, your gas tank, and I'm not saying Tony Kelly's live, man, but I'll tell you not to lay minus 400 on Adrian Yanez. Yeah, you can you can obviously tell that Adrian Yanez is kind of uh, being – helped along by the UFC. Yeah. This is not a step up from his last fight against Davy Grant. Um, Tony Kelly is one of those guys that is going to test you in every facet of MMA. Yeah. So it is nice to see that Yanez will probably get tested up against the cage, trying to get a bigger man off of him. 
And um, yeah, I've always kind of been an Adrian Yanez hater. I see holes in his game. I think that he's um, great on the feet, but I think as he gets into those upper echelons, um, Davy Grant kind of is the cutoff. And you know, I, I might be a little salty. I had Grant, but once he gets once he gets up into the uh, guys who do mix in their game a little bit better and just a little bit better than Tony Kelly, I do think he's going to pay for it. But this probably isn't the spot to try and pay Yanez. For my underdog of the week, I'm going to be taking Deron Wynn, uh, taking on Phil Haas. I think both guys have really good wrestling, but only one of them has Olympic-level wrestling, and that's Deron Wynn. Um, it, it sucks that the last time these guys were booked, we were getting 50 points more value on the Wynn side. Um, he now sits at plus 210, but um, I still think the price is way off. I actually think Wynn should be closer to even money in this spot, and um, I think a lot of people just look to write him off because of his stature at five foot six. And uh, you know, hell, it, it does make for um, a nightmare matchup for certain styles. Yeah. And I think that this is one man. I, I personally, I think it'll be much easier for him to find his way on the inside of the striking range than it was against uh, uh, Hoyo. Oh, yeah. And um, you know, Haas. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, his gas tank isn't all the way there. Deron Wynn's talking about on Instagram that, you know, Khabib has made him into this fighter that can go a full 15 minutes. And I think that yeah, Oz just can't. I think that he'll inevitably break in with the wrestling pressure. And uh, he just has to avoid that power shot, which I've seen him do um, with pretty good success in yeah. the UFC up until this point. So, man, uh, you know, I don't hate it. Honestly, I think that fight has a good chance of hitting the under. Um, Phil Hall is always an absolute motherfucker to fight, but I think Ron Wynn can absolutely break this guy. You know, we talked about um, Hall's gas tank. It's only going to be worse if, if Deron Wynn's out there wrestling him the whole time. And Deron Wynn's got some fast hands, some sneaky little boxing, man. And, and we've seen the chin of, chin of old Hall's go kaput, man. So, at plus 200, I think. Love it. I'm also on a plus 200 dog here for my underdog. I'm going to take a, a small shot on Natalia Silva. I don't, I'm not going to advise anybody to go super heavy on this because, you know, you're watching tape from a low-level, you know, women's MMA regional circuit in Brazil, which, in my opinion, does not hold a lot of weight. But I do think there's a bit of a market overcorrection on Jasmine, who was the plus 200 to Kay Hansen, and is now the minus 250. So somebody that I rate higher than Kay Hansen, and someone's going to give her a much tougher fight. Somebody that is a legit flyweight, not a five foot one straw weight, you know. Um, on the feet, Silva, you know, she is a smaller girl, but I think she's 100% the better striker. And in a lot of cases where they're going to have to close the distance, that might be an issue. But she's not really going to have to, man, because Jasmine's just constantly walking forward trying to grab that clinch and initiate the tie clinch. So with her head on the center line, I think Silva's going to have the more powerful shots, plenty of opportunities to land. Jasmine's also extremely long and, you know, lengthy for the division. So her lead leg's there to be kicked, man. Um, she also, I think, somebody who's willing to wrestle with her is going to have success taking her down as well. With her wrestling, no open mat shots. Like I said, she tries to get that clinch and use the length to kind of trip you up and just wind up on top. When she winds up on top, um, you know, I've seen her swept by Elise Reed and gotten back to her feet um, pretty easily. Saw Elise's ground game on display last time out. You know, it looked Same awful. Um, and then let's say Jasmine does get her game plan going. She does wind up on top. You look through the record, and there's the patented women's arm bar all over Natalia Silva's record. So she's going to have something to worry about there. And so, again, no you know tape against notable opponents, so I'm not too invested. But I don't, don't necessarily think Jasmine wins this fight more than 70% of the time. Any thoughts on it? 
Uh, yeah, no, I, actually, I agree with your take at the end there that she doesn't win this more than 70% of the time. The most interesting line for this one is the under. I just, you know, you, you see two low-level girls. I think that there's plenty of opportunities for the arm bar from yeah. car like you talked about, and you're getting the under well, two and a half at, like, plus 230. Uh, something that I'm interested in, but a, a great fight to bring up. My prop for this week is going to be Kevin Holland inside the distance. Um, this seems like a no-brainer bet to me, man. This is a huge step up in competition for Tim Means at this point in his career. And uh, he was on the back ropes in many of his recent wins against far less talented guys. Um, Holland is the type of guy to kind of mess around when he gets his opponent hurt. But I think the opportunities for him to finish will come too often in this fight for Kevin not to capitalize on at least one of them. Um, you talked about the 100% finish rate of... Uh, him versus other welterweights mm -hmm. in his in, in his lengthy career, and I don't think that it stops here, man. I think there's a lot of holes in Tim Means' game, and Kevin Holland has the body style, the speed, and the striking to exploit those holes. I'm with you, man. Kevin Holland's only improving as much as he's training and fighting nowadays. Mm -hmm. You talked about the athleticism, the length. There's not a lot of times Tim Means has had a six-three welterweight standing in front of him. You mm -hmm. know, um, don't see the wrestling edge for him. Definitely see the jujitsu submission edge for Kevin Holland if this does hit the mat. So yeah, I like Kevin Holland. Maybe snipe him with that right hand he likes. Favorite prop for me going to be Robocop, Gregor Rodriguez, and Julian Marquez doesn't go the distance. I think we're going to be getting that somewhere around minus 180. Truly, I like Gregor Rodriguez. I think he's got him covered everywhere in this fight. And despite these guys listed at you know just one inch apart, Gregor Rodriguez is a massive middleweight, and I really am, you know, I'm really excited to see these guys square off. I think Rodriguez is going to look a bit bigger than just like the one inch they have him listed as. For Rodriguez, he did struggle the last time to get the takedowns over Armin Petrosian, which was a guy that you thought maybe they would come a little bit easier against. But at the same time, you know, Petrosian keeps his distance a whole lot more, and Gregor really was more content to strike with him until the third round. But when I go back and watch Phil Hall's fight, just abuse Marquez on the mat until he gasses. Same with Maki Patolo for all three rounds. I just feel like the takedowns are going to be, you know, too easy for Gregory to come by, you know, and when I look at Marquez as well, uh, he's going to engage in, the, you know, the type of fight that's going to give, um, pot, you know, a little bit like the Iron Turtle. They're going to engage. He might get hip tossed around, end up on the bottom, um, but he is motherfucker on the feet, man. He's finished 100% of his fights throughout his career. Um, but I just don't necessarily know how much of a fighter, I, you know, I really highly rate him. His win since joining the UFC, Darren Stewart, Cut, Alessio DiTarico has lost four of his last five. Only reason he's around still is because of the Buckley head kick. Mm -hmm. Patolo, Cut, Sam Alvey, worst losing streak, you know, on the roster, somehow still has a job. So, I mean, he's fought the bottom of the barrel, and now he's getting a big step up here in RoboCop. It was actually a short notice for RoboCop stepping in here. I think the coaches see basically what everything, so... RoboCop has the finishing upside on the feet and on the mat. And then you look at every one of Marquez's wins, it's inside the distance. So I think at minus 180, good price tag there. Okay, so for my best bet of the week, uh, probably would have been Kevin Holland, but I feel like we, we've covered him <laughs> enough this week. It's actually going to be Albert Duraev here as a, uh, as a parlay piece. I think that the UFC's kind of, um, you know, they, they've given Buckley – a couple more chances after that Impacasaga and I knockout, they were really giving him fighters that um, fit his style with Jordan Wright, Alessio just coming off that head kick knockout, and Antonio, Antonio Ahoyo, uh, and Abdul Azak Al-Hassan. Yeah. They're all guys that are striking, not willing to take him down. 
And in his last fight against Abdul Alisson, he tried to, to utilize his wrestling, make it a boring fight, and I don't think that the UFC appreciated that at all. So right. They were trying to get a war there. They were trying to get a war, and, and that is not what they gave him. So now they've matched him up with somebody in Albert Duraev who has a fully developed game in MMA. I think that he can match him on the feet. And he will choose, he, he gets to choose when uh, the fight goes to the mat. Yeah. Um, this is just a position where I think that Darius is going to be able to control him for three rounds. And, you know, if, if Buckley wants a boring fight, UFC is going to give him a boring fight here and he's going to be on the tail end of it. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm all in on Albert Darius here. I'll probably end up putting him in a parlay later on in the week. I like it, man. I, I think he can honestly just ragdoll Joaquin Buckley. But, Buckley is crazy on the feet. Um, I know the one hesitancy for us. We, we bet Derry Evans' debut with the gas tank in round three was a bit sketchy. Mm -hmm. I do recall. So that, that's my only hesitancy there. But, yeah, I think he's a much better fighter than Joaquin Buckley, who's knockout or bust, in my opinion, at this mm -hmm. point. Best bet for me, I'm going to jump back to my fight. I'm three units deep on Demir's Magulov at minus 170. Um, a little bit more why I think Demir is the best bet, you know, Kutek Taladze is coming off of a two-year layoff. That alone, not really in his favor. And Demir's not somebody that's a good matchup for you to get in there and kind of shake your shake your rust off, you know. Um, the fight, I think, is going to primarily take place at kickboxing range. Um, if anybody's going to have the wrestling upside, it is Ismagulov. Um, a lot more control time, I think, if you were to find him on the mat than Gamrot. Um, but on the feet, it's where both guys are best. I'm still going to favor um, Demir. I think he's very defensively responsible. He doesn't take um, a lot of uh, shots. And it's going to take somebody, like I said, with speed, like Rafael Alves, to kind of cause that slip up. If you're going to try to stay at range, tactically outpoint, um, or tactically outpoint is Magulov, I think you're going to have a hard time doing so. I think he's just more fundamentally sound than Guram is. He's got a very good high fight IQ. And Guram, I think... I think the guy threw like 14 strikes um, with his hands in the fight with, um, you know, in the fight with our boy uh, Mateusz Gamrot. Gamrot. So like, he's throwing all these kicks, and he's throwing all these kicks against a primary wrestler. So I think it's, that's gonna, you know, again give people the opportunity to take him down as well. Much better tra uh, training situation this time for Demir as well. So yeah, most confident bet for me. I got three units on him. Moving on to our quick pick section of the night, we'll start off the night with Phil Hawes versus Deron Wynn, and I'm uh, starting off the night with an underdog. I've got Deron Wynn here. I think that his wrestling's going to shine in this matchup, and I uh, love an underdog to start the night. Talk me into it, I guess, man. We'll start it off with plus 200 Deron Wynn. Heck yeah. Staying at 185, Kyle Dawk is taking Roman Delitze. The guys fight just so similar and in a fight that I think takes place in a lot of clinch and grappling. Roman Strong, plus 180, give him another dog. Wow. Um, yeah, I get, I get the argument for Roman. Uh, I think that the only, my, my biggest concern is Kyle Dawkins, I think, has the better gas tank of the two. And striking. And striking, and so I, I don't know, I'm going to lean Dawkins here, but I, uh, I actually kind of want Roman to win for whatever reason. He's become a fan favorite uh, for me. Um, moving on, we go to the Bantamweight division. Cody Stammen versus Eddie Wineland. Uh, I think that this is Cody Stammen's fight, but, man, uh, that price is a little little off-putting. I'm on Cody Stammen, man. It's just whether or not, to me, is he going to get his first UFC finish or not, you know, because they're definitely giving him somebody that he's capable of finishing. Right. Danny Chavez versus Ricardo Ramos. Danny Chavez, for me, man, just kind of let me down. The fight with Kamaka and things like that, um, 
it didn't look good to me. I'm going to go with Ricardo Ramos. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm, I, I might have taken a small, like, degenerate stab on Danny Chavez. I think that he has a good chance, but if we're just picking winners here, I, I'm with you. Ricardo Ramos should win. Uh, Gloria DePaula versus Maria Lavera. Haven't given the, haven't given this one too much of a look, but I do think that Gloria DePaula has proven herself against better competition, so I'm going to go with her in this low-level women's fight. Yeah, I'm on Gloria DePaula as well. I think she's a better striker, and she's going to have a big old wrestling grappling upside. Jasmine, Jazz DeVicious, taking on Natalia Silva, staying in the women's divisions here. That was my dollar of the week, so I'm going to go with Natalia Silva here, man. Um, no way Jasmine wins this fight seven times out of ten. Yeah, I agree. The price tag's uh, way off there. Um, I'll go with Jasmine, but you know, I think I just like her name. And in the welterweight division, we go to Jeremiah Wells versus Court McGee. Um, I'm all on Jeremiah Wells here as he moves into the underdog spot. I think it just gets uh, better and better. I mean, Court McGee doesn't finish a sandwich, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he he, uh, he is a decision or bust man, and again, not not trying to fade. <clears throat> Renzo Philly right now. I'm going to go with Jeremiah Wells as well. Adrian Yanez versus Tony Kelly. I don't want to fade Yanez, but I think it goes to the scorecards. I think we might see a sketchy scorecard, man. Adrian Yanez by decision. Yeah, I could definitely see the UFC doing everything they can to get Adrian Yanez yet another win. Yeah. Um, so I'll go with him. Moving on, we got Julian Marquez versus Gregory Rodriguez in the middleweight division. And I'm going to have to go with Robocop, uh, Gregory Rodriguez here. Uh, like you said earlier, I think he's just got him covered everywhere. Yeah, I, like you said, I have covered everywhere. Coaches like this spot for him. That's why they're jumping in short notice on it. Gregory Rodriguez for the win. Uh, my fight here, Demiris Magulov taking on Guram Kutatladze. Demiris Magulov and probably another decision. Um, I am also going to lean Demiris Magulov here. I just think he's a little bit more proven, and uh, it, would, it would be extremely um, surprising if, if Kutatladze comes in here and, and looks um, as good as he did two years ago. Right. Um, with the big long layoff. So I'm going to take the near there. Uh, moving on, we go to the middleweight division where we see Joaquin Buckley taking on Albert Duraev. Um, I'm, I'm on Albert Duraev here. I think that this is the first legitimate test that Buckley's been given in the right. UFC outside of Kevin Holland in his debut. Um, I think the UFC's kind of done giving him easy matchups, and this is uh, where Duraev's going to shine. With you, man. Duraev, massive wrestling advantage. I'm always back that, man. Tim Means versus Kevin Holland. We've done our due diligence on this one. I'm on Kevin Holland, man. Yeah, same. I think that's an easy play on Kevin Holland. And then in the co-main event, Donald Cerrone versus Joe Lozon. Um, I'm on Joe Lozon, and I'm on, on him early. You can't hate that round one. I'll take that shot against someone Cerrone all day. Um, hard sell for me that Cerrone loses this fight at any point in his career. So I'm going to go with Donald Cerrone. And then in the main event, again, man, absolutely fireworks. Could be fight of the year. It's, it's playing with fire, standing in front of Josh Emmett for 25 minutes, but I like Calvin Cater to take a decision here. Yes, I'm going to agree with you. I'm also on Cater here, but uh, not not want to be happy to leave the price tag on. Um, yeah. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. We got 14 fights on Saturday. Big fight card. Hopefully they stay together. UFC is really treating us here in Austin. I'm a big fan of a ton of these fights. Mm -hmm. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and we'll see you next week. Peace.